0: Hello, and welcome back to the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. My name is Aiden Neuer, and I'm here once again with my co-host, Leah Heigel. and this is episode 55, where we'll be talking about whether your hormones can be the reason you aren't losing weight. So going through a little bit of background stuff, one of the most complex conversations I think to have is this concept of like calories in, calories out, and is that what controls weight loss and everything like that? Or what controls everything to do with that? Um, Or is it hormones? Like a lot of people be like, it's not calories in calories out it's hormones. But I think the bit that is often overlooked is that hormones is factored in already calories in calories out is a simple formula. That's a really complex kind of topic that factors in that. Like, I don't want to jump too far ahead of myself because we're literally going to be talking about how it's factored in, but that is the kind of stuff we're going to be covering. We're going to be covering how it factors in and Give me a bit of background before we go further. It's like, well, what hormones could play a role in this? Like listing a few off. It's like thyroid hormones, insulin, cortisol, estrogen, testosterone. Like it's a, it's a long list. And then there's the hunger hormones like leptin and ghrelin and other hunger and fullness hormones. Like it's a long list. And we're going to try and go through as many of them as we can individually, but we could be here for hours if we wanted. hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. So we're just going to like, we're going to go, we're going to go to individually and just see how it goes and try and keep it to a reasonable timeframe as well.
1: We'll do the cliff notes version of all of these hormones. So obviously it's a, it's a big topic. So let's kick it off with thyroid hormones. So your thyroid hormones influence a lot of different bodily functions, uh, functions that generally require energy and calories. So if your thyroid hormones are low, like what we see in hypothyroidism and conditions like Hashimoto's and things like that, if thyroid hormones are low, then those bodily functions are being interrupted, and then potentially we see a decrease in energy expenditure from those particular functions. Obviously, way more complex than what I've just laid out. There's a lot of different hormones that come into play within that, um, but having a reduction or reduced kind of thyroid hormones can decrease those uh, the calories out portion of that calories in, calories out, equation. Um, And we actually see this in a really real way. So we're actually talking off air before we started filming of the things that we see in hypothyroidism, so an underactive thyroid condition that is a real sign of a reduction in energy expenditure. So things like brain fog, constipation, fatigue, feeling cold more easily. All of these things are signs that the body is slowing its like basal metabolic rate, um, and that is due to these thyroid hormones. So it can absolutely have an effect on that equation.
0: Yeah, and it makes so much sense because the body's not just burning calories for no reason. It's, it's doing it for a function. It's doing it for something like that. And the reason why thyroid hormones play a role in that is because your thyroid hormones are kind of controlling these functions. They're influencing these yeah. functions. If you have lower thyroid hormones... It's down-regulated. These functions are down-regulated. Your body is therefore then spending less calories on these functions. That's why it plays a role there. The next one we're going to be talking about is insulin. And this is probably the biggest one. Like this is going to be the, like, like it's like a lot of people will be like, it's not calories, it's insulin. Like insulin is what matters. And like every time I'm like, because this is stuff that like I've been reading about for years and years and years and years, but every podcast I do, I'm like, I'm just gonna look through stuff again, look through like what what are people saying from all perspectives and everything like that. And one of the most common things you'll see from people will be like, it's not calories, it's insulin, is they'll say certain statements like the key to weight loss success is to control your insulin, specifically keeping insulin as low as possible. And then they'll use that to be followed up by something like, The solution to keep carbs as low. The solution is to keep carbs as low as possible. And that's like complex on a few levels because it's like well, firstly, not only do carbs raise insulin, so does protein. Like we've got to factor that in every time that conversation comes up. But let's take it a bit further to like look through that further. So, insulin's main role is to take glucose from the blood and then store it as store it in muscle, store it in fat. So it could be stored as fat, or it could be stored as glycogen within the muscle, or it could be it could be stored as muscle as well to a certain degree as well. But taking that another step further. One of the biggest factors in this kind of discussion is that insulin inhibits lipolysis. So that's the breakdown of fat. It inhibits fat breakdown. It also increases lipogenesis, which means taking fat from the blood and storing it as body fat. You can see how easy it is to see that mechanism and be like, that's the most important thing.
1: Yeah, 100%. I can totally see where people are getting that from.
0: Yeah, and if if you simplify it down to just one hormone, it therefore looks like this is the only thing or the main thing we need to focus on. But... When you dig deeper, it's like well, insulin inhibits fat breakdown because you've literally just eaten something. It's more efficient for the body to use nutrients that you've just eaten than it is to mobilize fat from its own fat cells to be used. It's easier just to use the fat that's already in your blood, for example. It's more efficient. And the other complex aspect of this, when you simplify it down, is it's not like only one thing can happen at a, at a time. We have heaps of hormones working at once. Glucagon, for example, does the opposite of insulin, and these hormones don't just switch on and off. Like the better way to think about it, I should say is it's like a dimmer switch rather than a light switch. Like they don't go completely on and off. You can be losing fat while insulin is in your system. It is still possible. It is a complex interplay. And the other thing as to why it would never be as simple as just insulin, although insulin is a massive factor, is that insulin is storing something, obviously. It has to have something available to be stored. Um, it has to have fat in the blood to be stored. Or it has to have glucose in the blood to be stored. These are the substrates and glucose and fat are made up of calories. <laughs> that's why calories has to be a factor here. Because if somebody was in a calorie deficit, they would have less available of these things to be stored. And the net result could result in fat loss. That's why a lot of these things matter. Like that's why it's like an interplay. Like I could talk about that for so long because it's so much deeper than that. But without even just looking at mechanisms, we can also look at, outcomes because outcomes is something that matters and there's a lot of research on this of course but using one example which I think is a great example of this is there's a metabolic ward study by a guy named Kevin Hall obviously he did that research with other people as well and it was done under conditions where they matched calories completely they gave one group a ketogenic diet and they gave one group a lower fat diet Um, but calories were matched and both groups lost the same amount of fat even though insulin was 22 percent lower in the low-carb group than the low-fat group. I've got to mention that point there about insulin being lower because it's like you could criticize so many aspects of that study. You can criticize heaps of things about every study pretty much. But it's like if the argument is that insulin is the most important thing or, or if the argument is that insulin's the only thing that matters, and like nobody should be arguing that only one thing matters, but if somebody happens to be making that argument, you can't really rationalize that when in that study 22% lower insulin, they lost the same amount. And then one final thing on that point, I guess, is that even in groups where people have higher insulin because they're insulin resistant, for example, people with diabetes, we see the same fat loss on low-carb versus low-fat diets, even though insulin would be different as well.
1: Yeah, I think anytime you're looking at one hormone, you're like not seeing the bigger picture yeah. of the endocrine system and the body. So, but we're going to do the, the next hormone that we'll focus on in like, uh, independently, and that's cortisol. So cortisol is kind of known as the stress hormone. Um, I suppose we think of it as kind of a a negative hormone in that it It is associated with stress, but it does have plenty of positives in the body. It is there for a reason. Um, So one thing is it is associated with is a reduction in inflammation. So there are roles for cortisol in the body, Um, but we're going to talk about this in a few contexts. So the first couple of contexts we'll talk about cortisol is in a couple of uh, disease states. So we've got uh, Cushing's syndrome, which is high cortisol levels. Um, Now this is typically associated uh, with like potential weight gain that can occur um, as well as an increase in appetite and cravings. So in this particular disease state, um, other things come alongside this like fatigue and hypertension, irritability, thinning of the hair and um, like rounding of the face. So a lot of other symptoms of this particular condition, but it is associated with weight gain, increased appetite, et cetera. Second context would be Addison's disease. So this is where you experience low cortisol levels, um, and that is associated with low appetite and weight loss can occur with that disease state. So obviously there is is some kind of link here potentially, but where it becomes less strong is when we're looking at things like stress-induced elevated cortisol levels, So it seems that on average, it does tend to increase calorie intake, but we don't have kind of hard research to link stress with weight gain or weight loss. So there's not like a strong link there. Yeah, it can
0: go both ways. As in like, there is research supporting that it's linked with those, but it's like...
1: It's not like, sorry, one way or the other. Yeah. It does that make sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's not like cortisol levels is definitely causing weight gain or it's definitely causing weight loss, we have kind of research showing both outcomes. So it's not clearly linked to one or the other. So fourth context would be research in obesity just generally. So obese subjects do typically report higher stress levels than the controls, but there hasn't really been a a huge correlation between cortisol levels on average as a part of that. So the assumption that I guess stress equals excess cortisol levels, maybe not as strong as we would think it was.
0: Yeah, it's Um, not that simple. It's it's not
1: as simple as that. And that's probably the underpinning of every single hormone or hormone group we're talking about is it's not that simple. Um, So that's just something to be aware of, I suppose. Um, And the research doesn't really link cortisol with obesity on average. So we know that that can't be a main factor. It's not that just increased cortisol levels is causing the obesity crisis or anything like that. Just like any of these hormones in isolation is not the answer.
0: Yeah, and I guess doubling down on that hormones in isolation thing, like if you listen to this podcast and you come to a conclusion that it's either calories or hormones, like that's the wrong conclusion. (laughs) Like it's like it's an interplay between both. They both affect each other. Hormones affect calorie intake and calorie expenditure and those things affect hormones as well, um, and I guess with the cortisol thing, like it's one of those things where you can hear people talk about it, and it makes sense when you hear it. Like people talk about you're doing X activity which increases stress, and then they'll use the word like that lays down belly fat is like the common example, yes. and like it sounds nice, but it's like that's why it's important for us actually to like look at the research and be like those who are obese on average do not have higher cortisol levels. It's very hard to be like cortisol's the reason people are in certain positions when you look at it from that angle
1: 100 i think some of this comes from the fact that cortisol does have uh does play a role in yeah. water regulation um so that you you can have will be retaining more water if you have higher cortisol levels so if you do have stress levels that are high and that results in high cortisol levels and then you're retaining more water you'll probably feel like you've potentially gained body fat or body yeah. weight obviously on the scale. Um, so that could be playing a role in our thoughts of that as well.
0: Yeah. It's another one that plays a role.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Complex. So another one that plays a huge role obviously is hunger hormones. So we've got leptin and ghrelin, but unfortunately, once again, they're not overly simple. I'm going to start off with the simple aspect and then go a little bit more complex. So leptin is most well known for being a fullness hormone. Ghrelin is most well known for being a hunger hormone. And on short-term time frames in particular, we can see this really clearly. Like, when you eat far less calories than normal or far less food volume than normal, ghrelin typically increases. Like, in response to eating too little, your body makes you hungrier to encourage you to eat more. That's a really good system from a um, self-preservation kind of setting. So, like, when we eat less, we get hungrier. Um, leptin, alternatively, is, like, a fullness hormone. Like, based on that logic, like, when you overconsume food, you get full. And you don't continue to overeat is, is the kind of concept. But when we're looking at the question of like, are hormones, the reason why it's more difficult to lose weight, for example, taking that to the next level would be like, without further context, I would have made the assumption many, many years ago that people who have more body fat surely would have lower leptin levels on average. Higher, yeah, lower leptin levels on average because mm-hmm. leptin is a fullness hormone. So I would assume that those with more body fat would have less of that hormone that keeps you full and that's why it's easier to overeat and vice versa. But something that is a massive curveball in all of this is that those with more body fat typically have higher leptin levels. And that's just fascinating because it's like, it's a fullness hormone. And it's not
1: what you'd assume. It's
0: not what you'd assume. And I guess the biggest explanation for that is that The more leptin you have, the more resistant you get to leptin is a common kind of example. It's like the more body fat you have, the more leptin you have, the more resistant you get to leptin, the less of an effect it has anyway. So over the long term, it doesn't necessarily matter that much. Um, Leptin also, from another angle, plays a role in energy expenditure as well. So it's not just fullness, like it plays a role in energy expenditure. So once again, if somebody short term has um, too few calories... Um, it's going to decrease energy expenditure. If they have too many calories, it increases energy expenditure. Not a massive amount. It's just one of those pieces in the puzzle, but it is another factor. On that topic as well, ghrelin is also pretty hit and miss in terms of, we would assume that levels of ghrelin, because it's a hunger hormone, people with higher body weights, you would probably assume that they have higher levels of ghrelin, making it easier to overeat. But once again, that's not necessarily the case. It seems like People with higher BMIs, their ghrelin levels are quite similar to those with lower BMIs. It doesn't seem to be a massive factor there. Um, There can be exceptions to this, though. Like, for example, with Prader-Willi syndrome, it's a syndrome where, amongst a lot of other symptoms, people, it's like they have no off switch to their appetite. They just want to eat and eat and eat and eat. Um, They typically have quite high ghrelin levels, and that's probably a factor as to why their appetite is so much higher and their desire to eat is so much higher. And another exception is also... Bariatric surgery, um, their ghrelin levels are often lower, which is kind of cool because it's not just like a decrease in stomach capacity or anything like that. It actually affects hormones as well, so that's super interesting. And then wrapping that kind of hunger and fullness hormones topic up as well, there are other hormones that play a role. Like just like listing a few, there's like neuropeptide Y, glucagon-like peptide, cholecystokinin, peptide Y-like, peptide YY. sorry. Like it just goes on and on. Like there's so many... And, like, I've simplified down to the two most common ones that most people are going to be a little bit more familiar with. But this is why these two peptides, or sorry, these two hormones by themselves don't massively influence things because there's so many other hormones that play a role in our hunger and fullness, too.
1: Yeah, I find hunger and fullness hormones really interesting. I just think it's a really cool part of research, but it's just so complex.
0: Yeah, so complex. It's so
1: complex. Obviously, it's more than just like. Leptin and ghrelin and yeah
0: and like it very yeah. clearly plays a massive role like it does 100%. play a massive role but it's yeah it is very complex
1: piece of the puzzle Um, So we'll get into estrogen now because that is something that can play a role to a certain extent. Um, So we know that estrogen does play a role in body fat distribution. So even like heading into like women in postmenopause are going to have a different body fat distribution because of that reduction in estrogen um, as that part of life occurs and um, so we know there's a change there and it plays a role um, and then we can also think of estrogen as typically being anabolic as well so in times in our menstrual cycle where we see estrogen being quite high I keep switch- switching between estrogen and estrogen <laughs> um, but let's go with estrogen um, so when we have high estrogen levels we tend to actually be slightly stronger uh, which is cool so it kind of goes to show that you know it can have an effect on pretty widely on our body, but generally we're thinking of it as a pretty anabolic hormone. Um, that's all I kind of want to touch on in regards to estrogen, uh, but I do want to briefly touch on the hormonal changes that occur when we're talking about the pill or hormonal contraception just in general. So whether it's like depot shot, patch, whatever it might be. I think this is such a wormhole when it comes to not only weight gain, but just It's as a topic in general um, and how it affects our body. So temporary side effect of hormonal contraception can be an increase in fluid retention. I think a lot of people can attest to that who have been on this kind of uh, hormonal contraception, um, but especially estrogen based ones. So they are known for having that temporary effect when you do start taking them. Um, Progesterone-based contraceptions, on the other hand, are known to stimulate appetite a little bit or can in some people. Um, Interestingly enough, when we look into the research, there was a review of 45 studies on hormonal contraception um, and found there was no link between the pill and long-term weight gain when compared to a placebo. So I think that's pretty interesting because just in talking to women and getting people's first-hand accounts like it changes a lot in your body and I think a lot of people experience uh, weight gain or even weight loss for some people. It can have a really huge impact. I, like I said, it's a big wormhole. I don't even think that the research has gotten to a point where we know exactly what's going on with each of these different kinds of contraceptions. It's a minefield, um, but I think there absolutely can be an effect on things like hunger, satiety, cravings, mood, how you feel and that can all affect calories in calories out and then there's a potential effect of does it change like resting metabolic rate yeah a bunch of things that it could potentially be affecting
0: yeah such a complex topic as well and like i i always feel like weird as a guy talking about that because like we do have that review like that one being like god oh, on average that doesn't seem to change yeah but everybody experiences some change in some way shape or form to hunger mood and like everybody's
1: going to have a different like even looking at the packaging of those uh like the pill and stuff it always says potential side effect weight gain yeah like that's there because some people are experiencing it likely yeah so it's you can't write it off i don't reckon
0: yeah so then the probably the last one we'll do so we'll do testosterone so increased testosterone is normally linked with gaining size like even just like jumping straight to like people using it as an anabolic steroid, like as a performance-enhancing drug, automatically assumed people are going to gain size. But what is quite interesting is that the research on introducing like testosterone replacement therapy in those with low testosterone who also are obese is that it seems to help people lose weight in that scenario. And there's also research showing that on average those who... Are classified by BMI as being obese on average have 30% less testosterone, which is a fascinating kind of thing to think about mm. and be like, I don't know. But like, it's not something that I inherently would have assumed without the research being there. There's heaps of potential explanations for it, but it is also a factor being like, how do hormones play a role in this? It seems like lower testosterone seems to be linked with that. So it's another factor where it's like, this could be a factor in things being more difficult for losing weight as well.
1: So, I guess to summarise it up, do we think hormones can be the reason you aren't losing weight?
0: I would say it's a factor. Like, I never think it's as simple as being like, I can't lose weight because X thing. Yes. But it is an added barrier and it is another variable in the piece of the puzzle in terms of, like, what you're trying to overcome.
1: Yeah, like, if it's increasing calories in through appetite regulation not being managed well or it's affecting calories out through a reduction in metabolism in some way, like it can have so many effects on that equation. Yeah. It's just, it's it's like the same thing. When we're talking about calories in and calories out, we're also talking about all these interplays between hormones that yeah. are happening.
0: I reckon that's the best summary. So yeah, we'll yeah. leave it there. So yeah. this has been episode 55 of the Ideal Nutrition Podcast. And thank you so much as always for listening.